get up in the nosebleeds. I will not stop until they know me. I want you all to listen closely. Before I motherfucking proceed. Yeah, with no riding on the road team. And they're conflicting with their road team. What is going on, everybody here live on YouTube, on Twitch, and of course on my TikTok, as well as my guest's TikTok as well. <laughs> Mona, how are you? I'm so happy. We finally made this happen. It has been right. a long time coming. I've been a big fan of yours, like I was just saying before we went live. So how are you? Let us get to know each other just a tad bit before we really start the show off. And uh, how's your day going? What's going on? How are you? Oh, I'm good. Like the day has been like it's it's been an okay Sunday, uh, okay. preparing for this podcast and just you know there's so much wrestling on yeah. this week this past week and just preparing for all that, getting my stuff. But overall, I'm good. How are you doing? Busy, always busy. You know <laughs> us over here. Uh, the last week of wrestling podcast, we're always busy. We're always doing something. We're always creating new ideas. We're always trying to go above and beyond for everybody that comes on and watches us each and every time we do something. So that honestly was a perfect segue for the intro. So thank you so much for that because I need a little help once in a blue moon. So Mona, thank you. But of course, this is the last week of wrestling podcast where each and every week we do a daily, daily watch along for AEW as well as WWE starting this week starting tomorrow guys we are going to be live right here on the channels that you are all a part of right now doing monday night raw season premiere as well as friday night smackdown plus of course AEW dynamite and collision and then of course you can't miss it because it's happening right now the podcast each and every thursday and sunday here on the channel that's a lot to say right there i need to shorten that intro up for sure but nonetheless, we have a lot to talk about because there's been a lot of nonsense, a lot of drama has happened throughout the mists of our time as wrestling fans, as of course, as creators itself. So let's talk about you for a little bit. Who are you? What do you do? I know you from TikTok personally, but who are you to everybody hanging out with us right now? And maybe to some new fans getting to know you as you're on live. So talk to everybody. What's going on? Who are you? Oh, so who am I? Uh, my name is Mona Ricano. Uh, I'm mostly known on TikTok, but I do have, you know, Instagram, all that. I My main thing is pro wrestling content, sometimes MMA. You know, it, it's hard enough to keep up with pro wrestling nowadays, let alone a whole nother combat sport. But yeah, that's who I am. That's what I do. Um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. When I started content creating, it was kind of by accident. I didn't even... It's not like I set out to do pro wrestling content, especially on TikTok, because I wasn't even sure about TikTok at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I was just kind of, you know, scrolling through TikTok, not really making videos. And then I just happened to stumble upon, you know, wrestling content. And I was like, are there, are there wrestling fans here on TikTok? Okay, well, let me go down this rabbit hole. And of course, it was like during pandemic, too. So I was like, I have a lot of opinions. And I'm going to say them. Absolutely. <laughs> I do with everything. I have opinions. I'm going to say them. That's awesome. That's kind of how we started here. I got tired of listening to everybody else's opinions. So I said, you know what? We're going to start our own podcast right here. 
Again, we started it audio only in January, and now we have grown to 9,000 plus subscribers here on YouTube. It's been an absolute whirlwind of a ride from watch-alongs to main events to we had Jeopardy moments. We've dressed up for watch-along pay-per-views and so much more. But besides all of that, we've had a lot, a lot of comments and a lot, a lot of content to talk about, which we're going to start talking about right now. As of course, our first topic of the show is Monday Night Raw might be switching to a different day. I don't know if you've heard this through the TikTok rumor mill or even Instagram or just the rumor mills that's sweeping our social media platforms each and every week, but Raw might be switching days. They thought about maybe Thursday. They even considered doing it on AEW's day, Wednesday night. So there's a lot to talk about here, but how do you feel about the possibility of Monday Night Raw, the legacy of Monday Night Raw, switching days to Thursday Night Raw, Wednesday Night Raw, or any other day in between? Okay, so I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I think I'd be fine with a Thursday Night Raw because I feel like that would be the best. A Wednesday Night Raw, I'm sorry. I had some time this past week with the NXT and AEW try to have Raw on a Tuesday and have AEW or uh, on a Wednesday and try to have Dynamite as well. I can't double stick every single week and I don't know if I can take all the Twitter drama and stuff like that yeah. for every single week. Uh, not it would not be it's great when you're a content creator on one hand, but at the same time you're trying to keep up with it all as it is on separate days, both days. I think I get whiplash, but many times I would just keep doing this while screening it. Yeah, it it's it is crazy. We did, of course, Title Tuesday this past week, which stirred up a lot of controversies, which of course we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. But raw switching to Thursday night to Saturday night to Tuesday night, it's just weird. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that might actually be the wrong move for WWE. You know, we as fans of this product for 20 plus years have known Monday Night Raw. It starts the week off. I mean, for Christ's sake, USA literally has a commercial that says Mondays might suck, but Monday nights are better because it's Monday Night Raw. And now the whole commercial would be tossed out the window because now they're Thursday Night Raw instead or something else. So I don't know. I mean, you know, in my opinion, um, it, I don't know if financially and ratings wise, it would receive a lot of positive feedback to have something close to, of course, Friday Night Smackdown, which also might be moving, which we'll talk about shortly. But, um, you know, close to WW, uh, AEW show Dynamite, like you said, even someone on the same night on NXT, because then where does that put NXT then? Does that put that on Wednesday? So we actually will be doing dual streams every Wednesday for Dynamite and NXT. Like what, you know, there's a lot to talk about here, but you know, I don't know if this would be the right ratings maneuver that of course the new Endeavor deal that has been happening with WWE would be the smartest thing. You know, in my eyes, as a fan like yourself, it seems like 
maybe keeping it on Monday Night Raw, maybe just switching some of those uh, plans of creative and storylines, maybe cutting an hour, because I know a lot of people are talking about the fact that three hours on the beginning of a work week is a lot. A lot of people like ourselves have to wake up pretty early the next day to begin our daily lives. We're not just sitting here on a big pile of cash waiting just to relax on a Tuesday until NXT comes on as much as we all would love to, but we <laughs> so we have to go to work like regular people. So, you know, do you think that it would be in the best interest of Raw in the ratings? Let's talk about ratings in that aspect. Is that something that Raw is even considering with that possible change of product placement? So it's definitely something to consider. We do have to also consider the fact that since the 90s, since, you know, ratings like, was really good indication on who was watching what. And while it still sort of is, um, especially certain like special episodes of Raw or like a season premiere. At the same time, we do not consume content like we used to. It's not just, oh, we're all sitting in front of one TV watching something. A lot of the times, uh, we some of us are watching stuff later, you know, the next day, later that night. But I do think that is something to consider. I just, I do not see the value of moving a Monday Night Raw to a different day. And that's saying not the ratings is not dip. Sure, I think it would be exciting. So, for example, Wednesday. I think that sounds very fun in theory. And I think it would be fun for the first, like, few weeks, maybe a month. Um, but then you have to kind of keep that up and I don't, and from both sides, right. From both, both companies, that would be, that would just be a lot and constantly trying to pull up all the stops, all the surprises, Monday night raw, it's three hours. Could the booking has gotten better for raw most definitely, but can they still keep that up? Is it, is it as great to try to go head to head on a Wednesday? And I, I, if I'm WWE, keep Monday Night Raw on Raw, and the the um, the ideal is cut it down to two hours. Cut right. it down to two hours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you you raise some very good points. You know, as much as it might be fun in theory to have it change a different day because it does spice up the product itself. It elevates it possibly to that next level that maybe Raw is looking for. Because, you know, speaking of ratings, you know, there have been very high highs and there have been very low lows. If we go back a little bit, the Raw after WrestleMania 39, especially after WrestleMania night two of WrestleMania 39, was not the most well-received Monday night Raw. We had fans for two weeks or approximately complaining about the fact that the product felt like it started to slowly drift away to what it used to be in its glory days. And I'm not talking about the 90s or even the 2000s and 2010s, but prior to even Elimination Chamber, after that rumble, that big spike up heading into uh, Elimination Chamber with Sammy and Roman and all the greats that we had, the women's chamber match, the men's chamber match, and they were some great moments there. But then, of course, night one, WrestleMania, we saw star-studded talent. I mean, match after match after match. 
Hell, Shane McMahon blowing a quad it still plays in my head to this day, and it's been months. But, of course, with all of that being said, it's the ratings that might affect, especially with this brand-new deal, Endeavor, possibly in that long run. So even if it can keep up on a weekly basis with the ratings and the fans' intake of the content, you do have a show Dynamite that's already been star-studded. I mean, Title Tuesday had two amazing matches. We had Jay White on there. We had Daniel Bryan on there. That was match after match of just great, excellent master class wrestling. And now, you know, they're going up against people like Gunther and Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins, names that, of course, maybe to majority of the younger generation of fans hold a lot more weight to than people like ourselves i call ourselves the old heads now of the wrestling community but again it still leads to that factor of possible downgraded ratings in that future time so you know there is that back and forth that give or take that could happen if it is something of well it started strong but then by the end of that month it started forming you know formulating back into that old formula that it had and like you said you know there's been i'm not gonna agree with you a hundred percent here but there's been a lot of moments on raw that have been very cut and dry not really entertaining to a lot we've seen a lot of that six man tag of the same six superstars like for three weeks roughly and a lot of people on tiktok and i believe even yourself were talking about how it's like okay like week one was cool week two was all right all right week three it's like all right let's get something new. we need something new here we need something fresh and you know and i feel like beside yourself you you know a lot of people have felt the same way and because of that now we have this new lead you know triple h is now fully in control of creative so there is that possibility that we could get someone of a new general manager frontlining his creative decisions and moving forward so there is that fun idea coming to it but again we shall see it is season premiere tomorrow night i know i'll be doing a watch along hopefully i see you there hanging out and checking checking it all out and seeing what's going on but 12 hours roughly from now something like that right 24 hours from now something like that we'll be talking about this of course again but you know any any final thoughts you want to say to that before we kind of move to the next topic Yes, because there's a question that I've been raising because, granted, there's always been rumors like the longest time. It's mostly just been, you know, third rate wrestling sites that don't have any connections to WWE at all. They're just making stuff up, basically. The fun people. You're right. Uh, But I do wonder if this is kind of like a TKO sort of deal that's going on because now it's like, okay, it's being taken a bit more seriously. So I wonder if because of network stuff, they're like, okay, well, we'll just move our our stuff now to a different night, and we won't be on this particular channel anymore. So I'm wondering if this is just TKO kind of playing hardball with everything. It, you know, that's actually a really good point. And, you know, I, I, I do have something to say to that. It's what's going on, Santo. But, you know, I think that maybe you are right. Maybe there is that new fresh coat of paint 
that is starting to be painted over the old Vince McMahon era of WWE with now the TKO Endeavor deal happening. And the fact that it has happened and we've seen now this new feel, this new atmosphere of professional wrestling starting to re-elevate itself to this new forefront. As we just saw this past Friday night, we saw, of course, Nigel, uh, I'm sorry, Nick Nick Aldis come on and become the new general manager of SmackDown, now leaving Adam Pierce to Monday Night Raw only, which is nice. Adam Pierce has been doing this three, four months roughly of both shows, being the GM, working both nights. It's been probably a lot on the guy's poor shoulders, like trying to listen to two different creative heads going back and forth on change this idea. No, 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 you're doing it this way now. And it's just been this back and forth for a while that now it's like, I get to listen to one guy. I only have one show. It's a huge weight off of my shoulders. So maybe now going forward, especially with the season premiere tomorrow, that we will see this new lighter feel of tension with Monday Night Raw. So yeah, maybe, maybe this is that new fresh coat of paint we've been waiting for and that new generation of wrestling that we've been begging for maybe a new look on the women's division now finally maybe we start seeing a lot more of the Candice LeRae's and Indy Hartwell's and Piper Nivens and Mia Yim's of the world starting to wrestle people like Bianca and Charlotte and Becky and Bailey maybe after Dakota finally heals up properly we see her and Io Sky possibly going for some tag team title opportunities and stuff making that whole uh, damage control faction, a strong faction again, like it once was. So there is a lot more questions, but more fun questions. I feel that might be start getting answered throughout this time. And even maybe a new look at the men's division in the heavyweight. You know, we had Bronson Reed win recently that triple threat match for the number one contenders match, which I believe is this Monday, uh, now for Gunther's IC title, and the community's a little split on the whole idea of well, why is it Bronson Reed? It should be Chad Gable, and I think you know Crown Jewel's coming, and we do have Survivor Series on the horizon as well. So maybe Chad is going to be winning at Crown Jewel. Maybe that's his moment of glory where he gets to put on the crown and say, "I am the Intercontinental Champion." Finally. Put Nick and Gunther now shift to that world heavyweight championship contention against people like Shinsuke or even Ricochet even going forward against a Drew McIntyre again because their match at WrestleMania was very, very good. So seeing them go one-on-one for a number one contenders match for Seth's belt or even Shinsuke's belt, if it ever comes to it or whoever it is at the time, you know, letting Seth finally heal is something I am looking forward to. You know, myself, I stopped watching Raw and SmackDown because, like a lot of the people on the internet, not a lot of the banana heads of the internet, but a lot of the smart thinking people of the internet, I too was like, you know, it's starting to get repetitious. And like video games, I'm not a big fan of repetitious movements and storylines and story beats because it gets dry, it gets stale, it gets very repetitive to where I'm like, I don't know if I can watch three hours of this on a Monday night. <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to be positive about this. And, like, how do I try to put my own coat of paint on this right now? And it's 
that feeling of now, like, I'm kind of excited for Monday. I'm worried, but I might be a little more excited than worried going into Monday Night Raw. So, again, we shall see. We're very excited here. We're going to be doing, like I said, the watch along for Monday Night Raw tomorrow night. So, definitely stay in. Stay tuned. But, well, I, fingers are crossed. Trust me, fingers and toes are crossed. Yeah. There were definitely times where I was like, oh, maybe I can get away with watching the YouTube highlights of the show. <laughs> the actual yeah. show. <laughs> I, I was doing that for a little while, for sure. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to lie to nobody here. I have been doing that, especially leading into what we are now currently having. Just because, to me, you know, and, and I'll pitch this question to you before we hit the next topic. Like, to you, when when you watch wrestling, is it the action that draws you in like many others or is it the story beats and the storyboard outlines that really draw you in as a fan of that possibility of what could happen next in the storylines that are happening before our eyes each and every week what is the thing that draws you in as a fan that's a good question um i would say more or less um i think the story Okay. Of course, the action always can grab you, especially if it's a really good match. But the story for me personally is what kind of gets me interested, especially, I will say this, what I do like about Raw especially is that they have things going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody else is getting interviewed, so say like a Ricochet, he's getting interviewed or he's like talking to Adam Pierce. All of a sudden, there's something in the corner that they're not making so obvious, but, you know, WWE is not known for its subtle, subtlety, but at least yeah. <laughs> it's not as egregious as it used to be back in the day. We're like, wait, why are those two interacting? What's going on here? So I do kind of, I like that. Or when, like, for example, Drew McIntyre, like he's not exactly jumping to help the baby faces out if, when, when there's like, you know, a beatdown going on in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very interesting because it's like, okay, well, is this a heel turn? Which I personally think it is. Or is it just a fed up baby face who was like, okay, you know, I'm not the villain, but I'm not necessarily going to be the first one to uh, run into that burning building right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Understandable. Yeah. And again, to your point, you know, I do enjoy that story more and, and myself and Kay from no bones about wrestling and shout out no bones uh, on this podcast right now because they're, they're great friends of mine personally, besides just working together over here on the pod and whatnot. You know, we, we were having this conversation last night about it with Collision. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of story. You know, that's what really draws me into the movies, into the gaming, into the, the wrestling that I watch uh, each and every week here on the podcast itself. So to myself, I feel like that's, the thing that's the hook line and sinker going into these shows that if the story sucks i'm not invested and if there's a build but it's not hitting the way that the wrestlers are trying to make it hit and almost that atmosphere you can feel then i'm not gonna also be invested as well and it's and it sucks because i know that both of these men and women have been adamant and strong-willed and trying to get their voices heard and have their ideas pushed to the forefront behind these 
so-called writers that believe that their writing is the thing that's driving that front wheel or the car forward in the business. And sometimes it has been, you know, in the past, in that WWF era, during those storylines, those writers work really, though, side by side with the wrestlers, kind of how we see with AEW more or less than we see now with the current WWE bookings. You know, I feel like the way the WWE books things now, it's the writers kind of write the story. They pitch it to the, you know, the wrestlers itself. The wrestlers say yay or nay. Whether they say yay or nay, it's the final decision of Vince McMahon or the final decision of, let's say, Triple H. But since Triple H has been in the wrestler's shoes, now I feel like, and we've seen it as well with the pay-per-views and with the shows that he has booked and planned and done, he is really about the fans. He is really about the wrestler. And it's like, do you feel this is the way we should do it? And if they're like, well, why don't we try it this way? Why don't we say this instead? Why don't we do this ending instead because of X, Y, and Z reason? Then he's a little bit more obliged to say, okay, let's try it your way. Because worst case scenario, you don't get the hit you want. Then the next time it happens or it lines up to another exciting, fun story, then at least now we've tried it your way. Let's try it this way now, because if it doesn't land this way, then we we both got to sit here scratching our heads like, all right, well, how the hell are we going to do this? Because yeah. <laughs> it's not doing it your way. It's not doing it my way. Do we got to call Vince McMahon? Like, well, what, what's going on here? So, you know, what what's the actual way this is going to happen to land and make the fans so excited, so invested into these stories that now – where am I going with this? Where? What's the outcome? How are we getting to that big pay-per-view moment now? And then at the pay-per-view, of course, how are we ending this? What is that holy shit moment that's happening here on the channel? So, you know, we we um, are, again, like I said, you know, excited that Triple H is finally the CEO, like the, the guy in charge, I'll say, of creative, full control, Thank God. We've been praying for it for days. And <laughs> now we, we now know we're in we're in really, really better hands than anybody else in that back room. And because of that, I am very hopeful that the WWE's shows will now start elevating to those exciting, drama-filled, hard-hitting action that we've known it can be and it will be going forward yeah uh definitely and uh i will say the whole everything just surrounding triple h pretty much getting all of creative control just this whole entire behind the scenes thing has been so wild to me because of course things get reported it's like well vince is gone oh well, now he's back well is he part of creative again Right. Is Triple H like is kind of Triple H kind of like oh no every, everything's fine you guys don't don't worry about it. I'm I'm still in control yeah. but it's like Vince sitting in his chair in gorilla and it's just this whole this whole thing has just been so so bizarre now it's like okay so TKO has pretty much appointed Triple H you know giving him all just creative control Vince is like 
he still has a position within TKO, but he's like, we don't want you near creative because this is kind of the joke on Twitter, but it's kind of how I do imagine it going where, because Vince is just a weird guy mm-hmm. and it would just changes. Like, and when you hear the things that, especially on raw, when things get changed, like quite literally like the 15 minutes before they're supposed to go out. And that's how it is all the time. And for no yeah. reason, it's yeah. kind of, I'm sure somebody coming in and buying this company is just like, that's, kind of a weird way to do things and we're actually going to have some consistency so everybody knows what they're doing beforehand barring like you know illness or like injury or something it is sort of bizarre if you try to explain somebody who does not really know wrestling or doesn't watch it oh yeah this guy just changed so much things like literally like two minutes before curtain because he just wanted to because and he just he got up on the wrong side of the bed (laughs) right and Eric, and shout out the wrestling junkies. I see you there, buddy. How you doing, man? Uh, Vince is overseeing the TV rights deals, yes. macro versus micro. And I think that's a really good point that you said, as well as that Eric just kind of reiterated on, is the fact that now Vince is more of the, I, I call it the marketing portion of what WWE is. And I feel like, I feel like after a certain point, and I, I don't know if everybody else is going to agree or yourself is going to agree and everybody else watching but after a certain point Vince McMahon's idealism of how the company will be moving and generating its future forward is more in the marketing aspect brain of him compared to that creative decision because whether or not you like the guy whether or not everything that has come out about him with all of the allegations and all of the um, sexual misconduct things that has transpired since Vince's quote-unquote retirement, then about, you know, two months later coming back, and then all these stories breaking out, that, you know, he is still that guy that created one of the most profound and, 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 and for many people, most religionistic culture of, of fandom that we watch each and every week religiously. I mean, mind you, myself, you, Eric, Santos, we watch this product and we've seen all the ups, all the downs, all of the trauma, all of the ne- ne- neglating of, of constant, you know, women's divisions, ups and downs, everything in between. And now we're at a point where Vince's creative mind has kind of gone awry, kind of gone askew. And we've seen that happen unfold in our eyes. And we've been waiting for this moment of Triple H taking the helm of where he's supposed to be, which is where Vince used to be. And now the fact that that's happening and Vince is now on that next level to the top floor of the building of Titan Tower, you know, we now are a little bit more at ease that he's now taking care of those deals and those runnings because he at least knows what TV networks financially are going to be beneficial for the WWE, ratings-wise will be beneficial for the WWE because at the end of the day, this product that we love and embrace with open and sometimes closed arms, you know, it it, it does come with one of the big, big, biggest factors, excuse me, 
one of the biggest factors of if it's on the correct channel, the masses that watch this product on TV will be able to feel like they're in the arena with us. And I feel like that is one of the most key components for the WWE's growth throughout the generational differences that it has succumbed to throughout the years. Mind you, it's been on Spike TV. It has been on USA Network. It's jumped to UPN for all of us old heads out there. That used oh, to yeah. <laughs> okay. Pix 11 when it graduated, I guess, high school and became a college student. I call Pix 11 and so on and so forth throughout the time. You know, prior to even the TV runnings of these shows that majority of the time were taped, mind you, you know, and the live, the live component wasn't around Fox as well as UPN or Pix11 or whatever they're calling themselves now, Warner Brothers, has had more of the, excuse me, taped portions of SmackDown and Raw aired compared to the live portions of Raw and SmackDown aired on their networks. Now, mind you, Spike TV, USA have always been on that live. Monday Night Raw has been more consistent with those live showings compared to SmackDown due to scheduling and road work and everything else that it is to get to these wrestlers to state to state and stuff and setting up and whatnot. But, you know, Raw, at least for the topic being, now we're at this point where Vince is in charge of one of the legs of the table, you could call, of its biggest component, which is the TV production. So do you feel safe? And my, my question to you, Mona, is do you feel safe with Vince at that helm more than him in creative? And do you believe that there is that possibility we will resign with the USA Network going forward and not having to jump ship and scramble around to try to find a new yeah. network to work with. Yeah. So yes, for, for the most part, I do feel safe now that Vince is kind of more focused on the business aspect of it and not creative. At least now we, we know, or at least it's a safe bet that we will have consistency in booking because there have been times where you're watching brawl, you see somebody that looks there, you know, they're, they're getting a match. It looks like they're getting at least a small push. Mm -hmm. And then you don't see them again for a couple weeks and then they show back up or maybe they'll do a backstage segment or a web exclusive and that's it. And that's not exactly the way if you want the audience to care, uh, right. that's not really the way to go. So I do think we're triple H at the helm of creative. Now we will, we will start seeing more consistent bookings, especially yeah. the undercard, especially the women's division. And we will start to see, especially with the women, we're already starting to see, uh, glimmers of it with um, like T and Tegan Knox. Yeah. Uh, last week, Zia Lee just popped up, which is, I'm like, where have you Hell been yeah. for like months? <laughs> where have you been since NXT UK? Like, you know, where have you been, lady? Uh, man. Right, exactly. We're starting to see more of the women. Um, and it also does feel like now with NXT, it's starting to feel more like, okay, now it is the official third brand of of WWE and not just the developmental that they don't really pay attention to, to, to until they need a few people to fill out the roster. You know what I mean? So we are, so I do feel a bit more safe with Triple H at the helm. 
it will never be perfect. Uh, it won't be a utopia, but it's a safe bet. You'll see more consistency. Um, as far as uh, like brawl or anything making like a big jump, I think they're going to do everything they can to avoid like switching networks. I they're going to try to secure more money. That is absolutely for sure. Yeah. Um, but do you think it's something they are going to try to avoid if if, if they absolutely can? Yeah. And with a consistent product and with ratings the way they are, you know, I I see the network coming to the table. I'm like, okay. Like within reason, how much do you want? How much do you need? Okay, let's see if we can keep you guys here. Right. And I, and I think that's almost one of the most important factors as well. You know, on a table, you have four legs. And if one of those table legs are loose or semi starting to break, there, there goes that table. We've had it. On the last week of wrestling podcast, we've had a table break on us <laughs> in the middle of the stream. Uh, so we know that the legs of the table are very crucial to our component of building a great podcast platform. But nonetheless, going back to that topic, like you know, like you said, you know, I'm I'm very comfortable more with the fact that now Vince is away, and I think that's the biggest the biggest positive we should be taking from this. Vince is actually gone. It's not a rumor. It's not false hope. It's not like he's coming back Monday Night Raw. No, no, no. He's gone. Goodbye. Gone with the wind. He's done. He's not coming back around. Maybe for like, you know, Hall of Fame or something severely important that he was a part of to just be there with the pompadour and the new uh adam uh adam's family mustache that he has the poster um like it's basically like the day after uh wwe was bought there's like a tko post and i thought this was like a fan made thing at first apparently it's real it's like the it's like vince in the suit and this looks all dark and like tko is behind him it's like this weird official poster of like Vince now under the like WWE under the helm of TKO, and I looked at it especially with that mustache, that Gomez. I'm like, at first I thought it was this uh, thing somebody made, a fan. I'm like, oh, that's a real poster. That he looks like that's a poster for a supervillain origin story. It really, it really is. It really is, and he is one of the best supervillains we got cooking right now compared compared to like Swerve or Christian. I call Christian Cage the father hater of the year. He is 100% the father hater of the year. We got to make a trophy here on the last week of wrestling pod and find his address (laughs) so that way we can send him that trophy to let him know we as fans are just big fans of him hating on the dead fathers of the world. It's as crazy (laughs) as it sounds. That is really the gimmick. So it is, it is true to its nature, but let's let's move on now to the next fun topic of the night. And we kind of touched upon it as well. You know, we now have a brand new general manager on Friday Night SmackDown. It was just released and just announced, of course, this past Friday, Friday the 13th, mind you, for all oh, yeah. you fans out there. We have a brand new general manager, Nick Aldis. Now, of all of SmackDown, but there are talks that Raw might be getting Abyss. Now, for fans who don't know who Abyss is, Abyss 
used to be the Mick Foley of TNA Impact Wrestling before they got Mick Foley into TNA Impact Wrestling. <laughs> and of course, Abyss and Mick Foley had an amazing couple of matches, couple of feuds, couple of interactions on and off screen. And I know they're probably really good friends. Nobody that I know that I've at least spoken to says anything really negative about Mr. Foley and his family and everybody with him. But Abyss has already, as we know, worked on multiple things in the WWE as creative director and writer for the company. One of the biggest well-known things of Abyss is the triple threat match with AJ Styles during the COVID era uh, for a pay-per-view. I believe it was WrestleMania Backlash. If someone wants to correct me, I don't mind being wrong, but I do rather be right on something that I'm trying to say, because I believe it was WrestleMania Backlash, so anybody wants to correct me, please do. But during that triple threat, Abyss was actually seen on screen, and I'll be honest with you, without the mask, he looks very different. He looks really weird, and he needs the mask no matter where he goes to identify as Abyss. But nonetheless, Abyss possibly being Raw's general manager, how do you feel about that? Or... You know, they are still saying Adam Pierce will be Raw's general manager. So who would you pick, Mona, as the general manager of Raw? And who do you think probably fills those shoes better? Uh, well, my pick for New GM is the big, bulky laptop that they used to have. Come on, because that, that was great, right, you guys? When <laughs> they had Michael Cole speaking for it, that was great. Um <laughs> The worst moment of wrestling history is that damn podium. I tell you that. Absolutely low. That is a valley of wrestling right there. I don't know about any of y'all, but that was a valley for me. Okay. So, but um, I didn't hear about the whole Abyss thing. I didn't know. Now, I knew he was like in WWE. He produced matches. He did all of that. But I wasn't, I didn't know he was going to be considered for the new jam of Brawl. Now, yeah. that's very interesting. And here's the thing. I do like Adam Pierce. And when, you know, Triple H on SmackDown was like, you're getting a promotion. He's like, oh, great. And I was like, you're just going to be the GM of Raw. And I'm like, it's not a promotion, first of all. <laughs> just that's just one that's that's right. him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings about that. And it's, I don't know. It's a small thing, but that kind of bugs me. I've been like, that's not a promotion. That's the exact same thing he was doing. He should play on pay anymore. Or, I don't know, give him health insurance. But, um, right. <laughs> but you know, I think it would be interesting to have Abyss um, be like the new general manager because we've had Pierce now for we have had Pierce for about four years now. I know ever since he started making regular appearances in 2020, like especially when the pandemic was starting and they were uh, in the performance center. So that's a very interesting. I would say, yeah, maybe Abyss. There's also another one once he's actually allowed to be on TV. Mm -hmm. And that's William Regal. I think oh. a lot of people would be very, very happy about that if that were the case. Now, uh, again, I don't know if he wants to be on, on screen anymore or like that. But I think that'd be he would be probably the top for almost anybody's list to be a general manager. Yeah, that's I, actually, you know, I didn't even think about Mr. Sir, sorry, Sir okay. William Regal, as some may know him by. But um, I know that his reason for leaving AEW because as we all know 
Sir William Regal, or just William Regal, was in AEW for a long time, of course, till my tribal chief, I don't know about your tribal chief, but my <laughs> tribal chief of the professional wrestling world, MJF, decided to hit him beautifully in the back of the head with that TNT ring and take him out of AEW and an epic send-off to back to the company where it all started for him as well, besides WCW, mind you. But nonetheless, William Regal would be a very suitable candidate. We've seen him in that general manager role in the early 2000s prior and his promos to the skits, to him dancing with crime time around Vince McMahon. I mean, there's countless and countless amount of awesome memories with none other than Sir William Regal. But I know the reason for him leaving was to watch and really train and teach his son who is in NXT side by side. So maybe at the moment, no, but it could be a possibility in the future if Adam Pierce is ready to step down. So maybe another two years with Mr. Pierce, maybe Abyss becomes that new general manager, like I was saying. But I don't know. For me, you know, Abyss has had some very good moments, some very good wrestling creative decisions. He's put on moments that really still live, excuse me, in our hearts and minds of the professional wrestling world. I believe he's also been a part of some of the Bray Wyatt stuff before, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Bray Wyatt's passing. And, you know, I don't believe his newer stuff when Bray returned, but prior to Bray, uh, Bray's departure, I believe maybe he had a couple of inputs, inputs uh, here and there for Bray's creative decisions. Now, mind you, Bray really doesn't need the input with the creative genius that he was, but always having another scary, crazy psychopath hanging out in the back room in a dark cellar where Mick Foley used to be, you know, creating legendary moments is always a good thing, not a bad thing. But nonetheless, um, yeah, Abyss might be interesting to see on TV. You know, so I don't know. I I, I also like Adam Pierce, but I feel like with Adam Pierce, the biggest thing that Adam Pierce hasn't done, and maybe it's because of what we said prior, it's that creative control, is really booking a lot more of the women and men's divisions in a different light. So maybe now with Adam Pierce at the helm of Raw, now we have this opportunity where he can slowly start maneuvering through that women's division. I mean, getting a lot of these great legendary ladies from NXT moving up and start moving in that right direction. Like you said, we had Tegan Knox wrestle recently on Raw against Natalia just for a singles match for the NXT title. Mind you, it's Natalia. It's 50-50 how a lot of us feel with Natalia. But... Nonetheless, Tegan Knox is a new name that has gotten two big moments in the professional wrestling world under the helm of Adam Pierce. So if that is a little bit of a sneak peek of what could happen, then okay, Adam Pierce is a go. Adam Pierce is the right move because I'm excited to see what Adam Pierce could do. And with Nick Aldis at the helm of SmackDown, SmackDown could elevate to a new and exciting level 
that I'm honestly very excited for. And with that two hours, it, it just sweetens the pot. It just sweetens the pot a whole lot more. So I'm very excited. We shall see. But any final thoughts on, on there is something that I do want to say before, because someone in my TikTok live did say this and it would cause chaos, but I don't want it to happen. No, listen, and Eric, we we Eric over here. We dress up as wrestlers. We have a lot of fun <laughs> over here. We love the the chaos. Go, let's, 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 let's have it. So someone in my chat, right? They're like, um, bring back Bischoff. Okay. About, that will start a lot of drama. I don't that know. A lot of drama. That's a lot of chaos. I mean, if you want people talking, get Bischoff, I suppose. Granted, he'll be gone before the year's out, but <laughs> you want to cause cause the buzz right now. You know, and you know what? Let's let's speak about Bischoff for a little bit before we get to our next topic. Because okay, Bischoff ran WCW, in my opinion, very well as creative, as a role in that major stake, as well as an announcer throughout the show itself. I feel that Eric Bischoff has proven that he can do really well in the helm of creative control and general manager leading. Now, when he was with the WWE, he did have Vince McMahon, who was kind of in his prime time, in that creative control position, but playing that Triple H position more or less, and also the Nick Khan position where he is now. So bringing Bischoff back, current Bischoff now, I think could be good, but I feel the way that the roster and the generation we're in now with professional wrestling as a whole, Bischoff might not have that oofspot, I guess you could say, to kind of maneuver his way and build up new and exciting and captivating moments like it once was. Because we all watched that shift as John Cena used to be the doctor of thugonomics the rap battles that we had with Kurt Angle and the Big Show and all these great moments, the rap battles outside the venue with fans, to then him saying himself, I watched the fans become younger and I had to stop being that uh, rapper that made me a success story and I needed to be for the kids because that was who was coming to these shows. I needed to cut that profound language out because children were coming. And now we see that the shifted again after the Fruity Pebble era of John Cena to yeah. even now a younger demographic that really are watching a lot of these people, men and women, because they're in a lot of movies and TV shows that we watch on a day-to-day -day basis as well. So now these superstars who used to just be wrestlers now have all transformed into the rocks of the world and now migrated into that TV, movies, and even video game element of branding themselves as icons, as superstars in that mainstream media. So 
Now, with that being said, I feel Bischoff's creative mind might not be hardwired that way of thinking of how creative could go going forward. Now, on the other side of the coin, there are a lot of new generation superstars that just want to wrestle and they don't care about the movies and TV show doors that are being opened each and every time you're on these big platforms. So, you know, that maybe could be where Bischoff could thrive and re-garnish his name to that top light again, like it once was in that creative helm. But I feel like the masses has spoken more. So Bischoff being that helm, I don't know if that would be the right maneuver or call for the WWE with the way things have gone throughout the just the previous five years, let's say. Right, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, again, if you want to pop a rating, sure, Eric Bischoff for like maybe a few weeks. But if you want consistency, and I think that's what we all want and need right now, um, Adam Pierce, or I think Abyss is a very, very good show. I think he actually could be a very good on-screen authority figure. I'm not the biggest fan of on-screen authority figures because WWE has overdone it in recent years. However, with Adam Pierce and all that, it's actually been like like all right. You know what I mean? In in doses, I could take authority figures. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with you. You know, Foley was authority figure. Angle was authority figure. Flair was an authority figure and a wrestler. So was Foley. So was Angle. So yeah. you know, there is that double-sided coin of worry that they might book a lot more of their friends to win matches and moments that could be more elevating and promising for the up and coming people, men and women that are trying to get a rise and a front foot in the door that they've been working for, for so long. You know, there's all so much you can do with indie wrestling before you migrate into a televised and be considered for professional wrestling as a whole. So you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot on the table, but nonetheless, I, I feel like you know, Abyss might be that perfect balance between the two of them, uh, between the Bischoffs and the Adam Pierce, where you could have nights where there's matches that are just captivating and moments that are just maddening, and then you have the other side where the kids are like, oh my God, I can't believe they did this, and did you watch Monday Night Raw, little Tommy? Like, this right. is crazy. <laughs> Going to the lunchroom, talking about how daddy got the, the, the best seats in the house, and I got the belt, I got the weight belt from Cody Rose, and he signed yeah. it and kissed it. And it was just this, this magical moment and all of these things. But you know, I, again, I don't know if um that is something. WWE, Vince, whatever you want to say, is looking at, Endeavor is really looking at as a whole with trying to continuously move that wheel forward in the um, in the game of content, you know? Okay. So Eric Eric has a has a question for everybody, and we'll 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 talk about this a little bit uh, briefly before we go to our last 
topic before our ad, but what would be your biggest con about Scrap Daddy AP as um, Raw's general manager? So our biggest con about Mr. Adam Pierce. So it's so hard to kind of name a con just because Adam Pierce to me represents kind of a, a, a not a heel, he kind of is a face, but he's not really heel face. He's kind of just neutral to okay. things. And so there's not really much to pick up as far as a con that could be for Raw. Okay. Um, hmm, that is, that is a bit, I don't know, possibly a booking. The only thing I could really think of, and this is more of a WWE creative problem, I think, than an Adam Pierce problem, but just constantly booking the same six man match, main event matches for Raw. Which okay. they're fine. Again, what you said, like, you know, Judgment Day versus like Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn and KO when he was still on, on Raw or some variation of that. I think that could be a huge con of it, especially it is difficult, I'm sure, to fill time for a three hour show. Mm-hmm. So you got to have all of this. You got to have like, you know, 20, 30 minute main events with the Judgment Day, which is like one of the hottest things in WWE, let alone Raw right now. So I think that could be a con. Um, and something again, I think this is more of a creative problem than Adam Pierce, but the constant uh last minute booking. Oh, well, you two are kind of arguing in my office at the same time. Okay, well, you two just have a match. That's always kind of when it happens like once or twice, it's fine, but nearly every single match is well, since you two happen to be arguing in my office at this very moment, I'm gonna book a match between you two. And it's kind of like, well, what were you planning on doing <laughs> that time if not to if you weren't gonna have a match? So I think the biggest thing is them just trying to fill out time. Adam Pierce trying to fill out time for a three-hour raw, but at least he just has three hours now to worry about. Right, and I and I think that does play into his advantage with mm-hmm. this question that he does have three hours. But like you said, it, it it comes down to the fact that Adam Pierce at the time before going into this was under the ruling of Vince McMahon. I feel like that plays more of an distraction and a distance of the fans to the product than what Adam was trying to bring to the product at the forefront of the fans. And what I mean by that is that Adam knew in his heart of hearts as a wrestler prior to being a general manager that the fans want content that's going to be lifting. It's going to make them go, I can't believe I missed Monday Night Raw live in my hometown because this, 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 and this happened. These promos were cut. I wish I was there with little Johnny and Tommy and Becca and everybody because we would have had an amazing lunchtime conference about what happened Tuesday from Monday Night Raw. I can't believe I missed it. And I feel like that's where Adam Pierce's brain really is at in that creative aspect. But because Vince's foot was so heavily pressed on that neck of Adam Pierce and those momentary and almost in the moment changing of the show and scrapping of show segments made Adam Pierce fumble more on live television, which for fans like ourselves, yes, we still blame Adam Adam Pierce because it's 
Adam Pierce, that's the guy we see every week. So that's the yeah. person we blame. You always blame the face of the company when you see the face of the company all the time. But as fans who are very smart and very intelligent like ourselves, we also know that it's not Adam Pierce's choice. It's the fact of the matter that Vince is still the one that was running it at the time when all of these decisions were happening. So now with that being the eliminating factor, I feel now Pierce can breathe. And we can now finally have this moment of, well, guess what? We now can do things a lot differently. You now just have to report to me who you already know is going to say yes or work things in a more effective light for the business in that creative control. And that's what's more exciting for what Adam Pierce can be. So the con for him as the general manager of Raw is really not his fault per se, yeah. because at the end of the day, he's just a guy that made decisions that were made by Vince. Yes. But it's now him that could be making better decisions for the company itself. And I think that's what's more exciting and what could be the, the potential for what this company will be going forward. Yeah, it would be definitely interesting to see how Adam Pierce does now that Vince is gone and he only has one show to worry about and, and Nick Aldis as well. Because the same problems that were kind of with Adam Pierce would have happened with Nick Aldis with Vince at the helm of creative. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And now that we have Triple H, everything's going to be a lot better. I could take a deep yeah. breath. I could take a deep breath. And I think that's the best part of it all is we can finally take a deep breath. But speaking of taking a deep breath, we might have to hold our breath or gasp at the fact of the matter that somebody could be getting kicked out of the judgment day. And if not kicked out, maybe leaving on their own accord. Because as we know, this past pay-per-view, Fastlane, we watched our guys, Ben Balor and Damian Priest, lose it to the yeet group of the wrestling tag team division, <laughs> Cody Rhodes and that Jay. That should be their tag <laughs> the yeet group. <laughs> the yeet group. Yeah, listen, man, we create things over here all the time. So take it, use it with your fans, use it with your friends. It's an app. I want to keep things moving. You know what I mean? I love I love creating new exciting ideas, but the Eat Group themselves, you know, uh, won the tag team belt. And I know this is going to definitely take us over for a little bit because the tag team division is something I definitely want to pick your brain apart with because I know you've had some very interesting things on your live streams to talk about with the tag division. So, again, <laughs> I'm very happy that you're here with me talking. So, let's talk about it. The, the, who do you think? And a dirty, I'm sorry, dirty dog. Send your money in the bank, Damian Priest. Mommy herself, Rhea Ripley, or the demon, maybe not so much demon, Finn Balor, or even JD, don't Google me, McDonough, could be either leaving on their own accord or kicked out of the judgment day. Who do you think could be having that happen in the near future mind you hmm so 
I had I had I think I had to think about this because my first instinct is to say Damian Priest. He's kind of one mm. of the last holdouts to trust JD. Even like Rhea and Dom, while they get annoyed at him, they kind of seem to listen to him a bit more so. They're coming around to JD Madonna. Um yeah. so Priest kind of getting fed up with not being able to being told basically by Rhea to not cash in his money in the bank. And with JD, uh I can cuss on here, right? Or is, oh, uh, listen, we cuss uh, on here. We talk wild on here, so don't worry. Okay. You no, I want to make sure. Don't I know some podcasts don't want to do that. But no, no, no. We're good. Up we got, for we, we can let people know ahead of time. This is explicit. Go right ahead. <laughs> do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah. So JD fucking up everything for David. It seems very Damien Priest exclusively fucking up for him. Exactly. Because he's getting tired of it, and uh, he's like. I can't do anything in this group. We're losing now. We lost the tag team titles. And you know, I'm very torn on whether he's going to get kicked out eventually because they're like, what? or if he's just going to leave on his own accord because he's like, I still have money in the bank. I'm actually doing all right. I'm going to wait on my moment. But then a thought occurred to me earlier on the day. I was kind of mapping out how the judgment day can kind of break up or who's going to leave. And I was like, I know that they, they keep saying there's really no leaders in the Judgment Day. And in the beginning, that was true. For the most part, there were no leaders. But Rhea's kind of taken up the de facto leader because she's telling you know them what to do now. Priests, don't come. Don't cash in now. Get your shit together. We got to keep winning. We got to show that we're still on top and that we, are, we run Monday Night Raw. We run WWE. And it is possible that they could... This is going to very, they'd have to be delicate with this because it could borderline on misogyny here, but they could be like, we're kind of sick of you telling us what to do. You are not the leader. Um, and could there could be very soon, maybe, especially if Dom loses his North American championship here soon, uh, could be also resentment uh, from Dom towards Rhea and they're, they're start, going to start not listening to what she says. Even if she's absolutely in the right, they could go, you know what? We're kind of tired of you telling us what to do. We can actually do this on our own and maybe then kick her out. Because Rhea at this point could survive on her own. I mean, they all theoretically could, maybe except for Dom, but they could survive on their own. But those are the two. Damien Brace, I will will have over Rhea, but it would be an interesting twist if they do it right if Rhea was the one to get kicked out of the group out of do out of resentment again that story would have to be told very very carefully <laughs> on that right I, and you know what I, I'll be honest with you I thought about the same thing you said you know the the, the clearest choice of it all is Damien Priest Damien Priest has been at the helm of not enjoying and or respecting who the hell JD, don't Google me, McDonough is. And because of that, we have gotten moments and memes and a whole <laughs> bunch of wild stuff on the social media platforms that we use each and every day, just like the Edge of Christian's Cage, go fuck yourself thing. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm going to say it right now. There's a, there's a trending one that was happening for a few weeks where you go to McDonald's and you're hugging the guy who who fixed the ice cream machine at McDonald's. Because we all know if you go to McDonald's, the Sunday machine's always broken. 
and he hugs the guy and Christian goes, go fuck yourself. And now you know who that guy is. <laughs> and it is Christian, the, Christian, the daddy hater of the year, Cage, that is fucking up the ice cream machines at McDonald's. So shout out to Christian Cage for not letting me get my dairy on. But nonetheless, <laughs> but nonetheless we are definitely at this pivotal point for the Judgment Day. Like you said, they lost against a combination tag team that was just looking together. together. Yeah, just looking together and put together in such the most craziest of ways to now tag team yeet champions as we see each and every week now. But my question to you is, is, if it is Rhea Ripley, and to your point, the story has to be done carefully, where does that really leave then people like Dirty Dom in the future? Because we know Dirty Dom was with his father, legendary icon, luchador, Rey Mysterio, or Shorty, beforehand in the WCW era, whoop-de-woo, you know, whoop-de-woo, <laughs> for all you fans out there. But now we have that question like you just raised. If she leaves, does Dom go with her? Or does Dom try to lean on other superstars like Damian Priest and Finn Balor and don't Google me, J.D. McDonough? Because... Same, in, in my opinion, and I don't know how you feel about this, and I, what, I want to hear from you, but Dominic Mysterio, when we were first introduced to him with Rey Mysterio, wasn't really doing well in that ring. He was no. rough to watch. He was scary to watch. I, I know we had podcasts here that we were talking about. We were screaming at the camera, send his ass to NXT. Please, to God, send his ass to Edge. Yeah. But then he turned when Edge, Adam Copeland, before he went to AEW, turned on him and his own father, his own flesh and blood, and joined the bloodline. And now we have seen this crazy 360 turn of an amazing wrestling superstar. And I use wrestling in that name because his ability has actually gotten better due to the fact he has four, now five people to lean on. True superstars, mind you. Champions of some of them, like Finn Balor and United States ex-champion Damian Priest. They have taught him and taught him well of in-ring capabilities, technical maneuvers, and so much more of the in-ring style performance performance of believability that now we as fans are going who the hell is dirty dom six seven months ago he was just dominic mysterio with the eddie guerrero mullet from the 90s <laughs> this nxt north american champion he's a champion for christ's sake wrestling at almost a top tier level that he's still continuously growing at. And I'll say this before I pitch the question to you, Mona, is Seth had an amazing interview a month or two back 
I believe it was on the Logan Paul's Impulsive podcast where he said that Dom is a sponge of information. He truly is a sponge of information and growth. And what he meant by that was when Dom would come in the back and he'd find one of us, he would ask, how did I do? What did I need to do better in? And Seth said he had to tell him certain things that, listen, you know, when you sell, you sell it this way. You know, when you do the suplex, you do it this way. You use your left side instead of your right side. But then he said the next night, whether it was a house show or a live show, Dom picked it up and learned it so rapidly fast that when he came back, we just were like, yeah, you got it. Good job. Yeah. yeah, you got it. Great job. And now that has come into the fruition of now us as fans going, that's really dirty Dom out there. That's really dominant Mysterio. <laughs> like we were, like I said, we were eight months ago going, bring him to NXT. God damn it. Bring him to NXT. Bring him to Revolve so we don't even have to see him on Tuesday night for all threes. <laughs> but now we have dirty Dom. And if Rhea were to leave, where do you think Dominic goes? Does he stay or does he also follow mommy on that exit to a new and bigger and better future? So I think if, if, if Rhea were to leave the judgment day, mm-hmm. how I would do it at least, um, I Wait, think they would keep, how was that? Catch it. Absolutely. I love it. I think they would keep, keep Dom with, the Judgment Day. Okay. Um, they can very much because WWE love doing this all. They love to repeat storylines, right? In, but you can put a twist on it if you want to. Of Dom just acting like a complete dickhead to Rhea, like subtle at first, but then just keeps getting more and more of a dickhead to where everybody could see that he he is a jerk, but Rhea is still kind of like, oh no, actually he's he's all right, you know, he's good and all that stuff. Yeah. And then when he's finally kicked out, or when she's finally kicked out, he can he'll stay with the judgment day, which solidifies his dickheadedness. Because I still think he kind of needs the judgment day at this point. Yes. Um, or in, in and I would say maybe until I'll give it middle of next year maximum. And then they can have him maybe go to because that is the question, like, okay, it's it's spectacular what has happened with Dominic Mysterio, but when he first debuted. And his face run to when he got with the Judgment Day, it's actually spectacular. And I rarely use this phrase, but it kind of needs to be studied and yep. used for future uh, wrestlers who are like stuck in a certain, like either like fate in a rut. And this is how this guy did it. And, and like you said, it also does help that he was a sponge of information. That definitely helps you out. And when you heed the advice um, of people who have done this a lot longer than you, you will mm-hmm. go far. Right. And the thing of it is, I also think they did stop because Dominic was pretty, was useless. He's still useless, but in a funny heel way, but he has improved. But overall, his character, yeah. is, he is useless. Yeah. Um, I do think they were making the mistake of trying to make him Rey Mysterio 2.0, which that's clearly not his skill set. Correct. He can still kind of do the, like, the luchador-ish things, but overall, he's not as that. And that's fine. He could find he's found a technique that works for him and he's that's really improved him so now he's not stuck in that box of okay well how would my dad would have done it right that screws a lot of 
second, third generation talents because they try to be like their predecessors. But yeah, I would keep him with the judgment day for now. And then kind of keep him being that dickhead little weasel. And then I'd say maybe make him with another heel group or maybe, so let's say A-Town Down Under is still a thing like next year. Maybe either have them come to Raw or he go to SmackDown because they, they go back and forth anyway. The draft doesn't matter, you guys. Um, right. But uh, have that and maybe stick with them where they're, they're those three are running around just being complete dickheads all together and, and no one can stand them. And Dom could still be over. You know, Grayson's kind of the talk would be the talker of that group. Austin Theory's kind of Austin Theory. And Dom could still be still be over as a heel. And and there you go. Because the judgment day will end eventually. So eventually. And Dom's right. gonna have to kind of be with either with somebody else or on his own. I'm not so sure if he should be I'm not sure if it's going to work on his own just yet. I like that. Honestly, I think that's actually a really great way to pitch the, 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 the disassemblement of the judgment day in essence, because, you know, we've seen Finn Balor prove himself as one of the most elite wrestlers out there that just hasn't gotten a fair shake in any type of title management position in any point of his actual career as champion. He is the only one that I could call as a 12-hour champion, which is the craziest thing to say because of the injury that Seth did to him in that match against one another uh, for the Universal Championship at Extreme Rules the night prior. And the fact that we could still say that to this day is insane. And the Mm -hmm. most that we've given back to him is decent matches against Edge on his retirement tour, leaving the WWE, then a tag team title opportunity and reign that was then stunted by two mismatched characters that technically are on their own journeys for their own actual title reigns for themselves to then now mixed up with the Judgment Day who are a badass faction on Monday Night Raw and truly do run Monday Night Raw but have slowly fall off that helm of running Monday Night Raw due to all of the things that we've spoken about. So the fact that now Rhea has taken that leadership charge of the leader of the group, even though we all remember that press conference with Papa H saying anybody could be the leader. It could be Finn. It could be Rhea. It could be Damien. It can't be Dominic because no one would believe Dominic. But (laughs) anybody else in between, and that is okay. So with that being said, to you, I, I ask you then this question, if it, if it isn't Rhea, does Damien seem to be the most obvious choice? Because, you know, JD, his friend, his family, per se, wasn't there to help him retain the tag team titles. They weren't there in that rematch. They weren't really helping him out in NXT. They weren't really there these past few times that he needed them the most. And him having this briefcase that holds a lot more weight than those tag team titles. Do you feel with how they've been almost 
pushing Damian Priest out of that inner circle, it is time for Damian to go, you know what? Fuck y'all. I'm going to now do my own thing. I'm leaving the Judgment Day. You guys don't care for me. You guys don't have my back. You've proven it not once, not twice, but three times over in about a month, and you're listening to some newcomer who just doesn't care if we are champions or not in any sense because he was the one that costed us the titles at Fastlane. And you'd rather choose him over somebody who's been here too thick or thin, who's helped train and made Dominic Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio that we know and love. And now you don't even care for one of the legs of the table? Like, okay, I'm out. Good luck standing up on your own because with Finn possibly being injured in the near future or Rhea doing whatever she's doing or Dominic begging to God that he wins another championship title defense and JD just screwing everything up, what do they really have then if one of the most sturdiest legs of that table does crumble and decides to leave and maneuver on his own? Um, so yes, I would say Damian Priest is that obvious choice. Um, he's, he started off as a solo person, so we definitely know he can. He was relatively, he wasn't as over as he is now, but he was relatively over as a solo baby face. So I, in my opinion, he is kind of the more obvious option that I think can go his own way and still be, and have the crowd still, still care, care about him. Cause you're right. Cause it's like, they're starting to kind of. I don't know trust but come around to JD and he's like what the what the fuck is this like this fucking creepy ass weird Irish dude who has a weird head and I could say that because I have a weird head <laughs> it's, it's come here screwed everything up we were doing great so he came along and he's not part of our team but again they could be defending JD and like you know what yeah I'm out there's it's going to lead to a huge ass fallout and yeah. end of a pay-per-view or something's gonna happen I kind of can't wait to see it. I, I love the Judgment Day, but at the same time, I can't wait. Yeah, same here. And honestly, to your point, like, to me, it feels like we're at the cusp of the departure of one of them. And if it is Rhea, I hope it's done correctly because yes. Rhea is truly a superstar. And in my eyes, and I don't know how you feel, and I want to hear this, hear your answer from when I say this. When WrestleMania 39 was happening, I had one of the most biggest hot takes of a few weeks here on the Last Week of Wrestling podcast out of everybody that I knew. And I said that Rhea and Charlotte Flair need to main event WrestleMania. They need to close out the actual show. Not because I'm a fan of the women's division, not because I'm a fan of the women, not because of any of that, you know, silliness. The fact of the matter that I believe truly, and I still stand by this to this day, months after WrestleMania 39, mind you, that Rhea was that catalyst, that needle mover going forward of bringing the women's division that I hoped would have been a lot more poignant in our current eyes as we watch these shows day in and day out. And unfortunately, they were the second two main events of the actual show because of the Usos versus Sammy and Kevin. Now, 
I'm not trying to take away what Sammy and Kevin did, but in my eyes, it just didn't add up to what could have been done and the actual needle moving that Rhea and Charlotte could have done. Mind you, Charlotte and Rhea have had a match in NXT prior to that a few years prior. Now they're at the most biggest and grandest stadium of them all. They're at the most pinnacle moment of all professional wrestling, WrestleMania. This is our season starter of what the rest of the year was going to look like. And for me, I thought that having these two legendary women wrestle in a match that, in my opinion, was a four out of five, close to a five out of five, when they actually put on an amazing show, should have been the main event and closed out night one because of the significance that Rhea could have done in that women's locker room going forward. Now, if everything that happened after that still were would to have happened, then, okay, I'm happy I'm wrong. But I still think that if they were to have done the women's match as the show ender of that night, propelling Rhea's career to that next level that we see her in now currently, maybe we wouldn't had these throwaway matches with Natalia or even Selena Vega, or I don't want to say Raquel Rodriguez, because I think maybe Raquel might be the next women's champion in the future. But those matches leading into those matches, do you feel the same way? Do you think I'm wrong? What, how do you feel about that whole situation? So in hindsight, that maybe it should have main evented. I will say this. I think the reason why people were so kind of said that that did against it. I don't think it was just because of the whole bloodline story. I do think it was also because leading up to Charlotte and Rhea, there was a story, but it wasn't really, there wasn't really much leading up to that match. Now, when they were having their pull apart brawls and they looked like they were on the verge of just killing each other, they didn't look like they were going to make it. I thought that was great. But when you had like a month or it was like weeks of, weird back and forth promos i'm just like i'm not interested i uh, it would be good on the night but i'm not interested in this this main eventing now of course again hindsight it was a it was a fantastic match um but i see why they kind of made the call to make the tag match which was the story leading into it was so hot they're like okay let's do this instead of putting this onto the main event if the story had been better or again if they would just had a few weeks of they these, these two do not like each other. Rhea is a threat to Charlotte. She's one of the only threats to Charlotte. They're having these break apart brawls like every week that they have mm-hmm. to get their hands on each other. I think that would have been a good main event mania match. Yeah. yeah. I you know, I I'll be honest, I'll tell you where I was at when I thought the Charlotte Flair and Rhea Rhea, uh, Rhea Ripley match was happening. I was at a Domino's getting pizza with my boy Sam and my other friend Evan. And I read on the, I, well, actually, I think it was either Evan or Sam goes, Rhea and Charlotte are main eventing WrestleMania night one. And in this little dominoes, I started screaming. I almost jumped on a fucking table because <laughs> I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. It had to happen. It needed to happen. The story mattered more. I don't care what anybody says. The story, what's about to happen after this is going to propel the Raw's women's division to that next level 
And I, I was so happy. Five minutes later, my whole world came crashing down because <laughs> Sam goes, uh, guess what? You're wrong. It's the Usos versus Sammy and Kevin. And I go, I don't even want this fucking pizza anymore. I just want to go home and 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 curl up in a ball uh, and cry because I now am devastated. I am now broken. My you heart just like flip over the pizza like right in front of the poor cashier. Dom is like, I don't even want it anymore. Yeah, just just throw it at him and just be like, I'm done here. Goodbye. Have a good one because I truly, truly was just so so happy. And uh, we got something something to show everybody right now. Hello, happy Sunday, everybody. What's going hey, on? Hey. I appreciate you hanging out with us over here, over on TikTok, as well as on the YouTube and whatnot. But yeah, like I said, I my heart of hearts, like I understand. And and, and, and yes, story-wise, it makes sense. Yes, the build at the moment, the bloodline was better. The build was so exciting. And it had more of a pull than what Charlotte and Rhea were pulling in. But the women's division in wrestling in both AEW, which we we will be talking about tonight, as well as Monday and as well as WWE, don't always get the look that they deserve. And sometimes I'm not I'm not even afraid to say it. I'm literally making a hoodie for it. The women sometimes put on a better match than the men. I'm just saying. It is the truth. It is the truth. We could go down a long list of ladies throughout the years. WCW to WWF to WWE to even AEW who have put on one hell of a show. Hell, DNA Impact's women's division is absolutely fire. I mean, really great women's wrestling over there. Derek has another comment. Rhea versus Charlotte, besides the Usos and Sammy and KL, is the best match of night one. Just my opinion. I still say the same thing, buddy. It is definitely my favorite match of the night for sure. It was a fantastic match. I'm so glad that they were able to pull that off because it's easy to get uh, discouraged and not maybe want to put on a good match. But they did it, it, and I was just good. It It was great. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was watching because I'm just, you know, I like Dominic. I also am a sponge for this wrestling business and wrestling content that I watch almost everybody, if not everybody's content, that Ric Flair was on a podcast like a couple of days, maybe a week prior to WrestleMania night one, where he said, I don't even want to talk about it. We already know who's going to main event. It's uh, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. There's nobody that deserves it better. That nobody, there's nobody that um, needs to main event more than Charlotte and Rhea. And it's to the same point that I said, which was that it's going to propel the women's division to that next level that it desperately, desperately needed, in my opinion, at the time. But that is going to be a topic we are going to be talking about, of course, in a little bit. But of course, we do get some sponsors on this podcast. We're not just some small and the hole in the wall sitting in my mom's basement type of podcast. We are somebody that's kind of important here on the channel. So as we take this quick commercial break, um, we will come right back to you with a whole bunch of AEW topics. So don't. 
turn the channel off. Nacho Nacho here to let you guys know WWE and us finally tag teamed up to give you guys an exclusive link to the WWE shop where you can shop the hottest in gear, merch, title belts, and a whole lot more. Plus, they even added WWE NFL exclusive title belts and tailgate stuff for this football season. So go ahead, hit that affiliate link right there, and make sure you tell them the Last Week in Wrestling podcast sent you for the hottest and coolest new things that are happening over on the WWE shop. Plus, every time you get to the WWE shop, you know they're dropping awesome deals like 25% off, 30% off, even 50% off, including free shipping. So go ahead. What are you waiting for? Get your new gear right now using that affiliate link right there. And make sure you tell them the Last Week in Wrestling podcast sent you. All right. We are back at cringeworthy handmade ad revenue right there. No, uh, good. Thank, you, John. thank you. I appreciate it. But uh, it's. It, I'll be honest with you. I don't. And I, I'll be I'll be 100% honest with the fans here. I do not watch any of my stuff back. I just kind of put it out there and call it a day. Uh, so that is definitely definitely something hard to watch when I have to rewatch it back, especially when I'm doing the editing portion of it and I have to like edit it and make sure it looks decent. I'm like, <laughs> God, I can't believe that's what I look like. Like you know, it's just it's a whole it's a whole thing. But um, Derek has one more thing to say. I love the Impact Women's Division. That's a solid division. They always get a great matches. That is 100% true, Derek. Yes. Absolutely. They have a slew of great content that's always happening right there on the channel. But from exciting content to talking about content to maybe somebody needs to have someone take their phone away for a grounding... We are now getting into the second half of the show, which is none other than the AEW portion of the show. So hopefully you strapped yourselves in because this might be a bumpy ride with the first topic at hand, which is, of course, Tony Khan. We've been talking about it on social media. We've been talking about it everywhere. I think Wrestler Observer said something. Rob Van Dam probably said something. Everybody and their great mother had said something. Even the Iron Sheik from Heaven probably said something. Um, <laughs> about, of course, Tony Khan. Tony Khan, of course, with NXT this past Tuesday, had to go one-on-one with one another to for the title Tuesday TV war. Wow, that's a lot of T's to say in a sentence. Because of the MLB playoffs that are happening here in the United States, so they had to move from Wednesday night to Tuesday night because of that. And because of that, NXT saw this as a perfect way to go against them in a combat one-on-one, and they brought out the biggest and baddest guns they could find. None they took that personally. Like, you're on Tuesdays? All right, we're taking this personally now. <laughs> so absolutely they took this personally, Mona, 100%, because they brought out The Undertaker. They brought out Mr. Balding himself, John Cena, and of course, the NXT undefeated legend herself, Asuka, in amazing matches, amazing moments. Braun Breaker and The Undertaker had a one-on-one confrontation to end the show. John Cena was in the corner for a match. Paul Heyman was even there in the corner of the opponent of the match, as well as Asuka 
had an amazing match to retain her undefeated streak right there on NXT, where it all started for her on television. So let's get into it because Tony Khan didn't take this L personally. Like, he took it personally. Yeah, he definitely took it personally. <laughs> he went on days. We're talking days yeah. of tweets that maybe someone should have read prior to him sending it out over on the new Twitter called X. And, you know, the, the, all right. So I'll start here. I understand losing sucks. I've lost in my life in, you know, pickup games of basketball, stickball. I've <laughs> lost in video games on Madden to my cousin. I've, I've lost a lot in life. I've won a lot in life. It's an even keel balance. But as a kid, I would throw a temper tantrum. Now it's almost 30. I don't throw temper tantrums anymore, per se, unless I'm playing a Dark Souls game. Then maybe I break the controller <laughs> because I just can't stand to lose. But nonetheless, we have, of course, Tony really taking this to heart because he sent out a mass amount of tweets saying that he just hates the WWE in layman's terms. But the biggest tweet that, to me, struck a nerve was his tweet about his mom's one-year recovery in the Mayo Clinic that just happened this weekend. His last tweet that either came out Thursday and or Friday morning afternoon. I will pull it up right now so that way I get it correct, so that way I'm not um, actually mistweeting somebody that uh, said something wild. Uh, hold on one second. Mayo, Mayo Clinic tweet. All right. So the tweet goes as this from the official Tony Khan Twitter page. It says, this weekend marks one year since the Mayo Clinic saved my mom's life, which is awesome. I'm happy that his mom and his family are still thriving and living and being well. But the tweet doesn't stop there. During the ordeal, many AEW talent came to me alleging WWE tampering, inducing them to break their contract. I'll never forget these phone calls at her side in the hospital. It's when business became personal for me. So now my biggest thing is I am somebody who does have a medical condition. I was born with a half a heart. And because of that, I've had to struggle throughout the majority of my life with not being able to play contact sports or anything like that. Now, I don't work for the Wrestling Observer. I don't work for the wrestling business people. I have my own little thing here, not in my mom's basement, in my own room above ground. And, uh, you know, we just do something fun over here. But nonetheless, I've never gone on Twitter and stated my dislike features of what the company that I'm supposedly going up at that against in a tweet that is broadcasted to millions and millions of people across the nations and said what he said. So Mona, I want to hear from you. Um, when you saw that tweet, when you maybe just heard me read that tweet, what was the first thing that came to mind and how does that affect you personally as a fan, of course, not only WWE, 
but of AEW as well. So he may, so with the whole Mayo Clinic tweet, he, he very much threw out a heavy accusation of contact, of contract tampering, which is a huge thing. Like that's not something you're supposed to do. I think overall, because I was watching this very closely from like the very first tweet, I thought, okay, first tweet, that's it. He'll, he's done. Nah, it, it got worse and then it kept getting worser. Um, saying a few things about Vince and Shawn Michaels. I'm like, I, 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 I personally would have deleted those tweets or something. I, I did say this. Tony Khan may just need to get off social media for a week and not do everything. Or at the very least, ha- get a personal social media manager. That way this type of stuff does not happen again. Look, who among us from time to time has tweeted something or whatever and we're just like sour grapes? Look, I've done the drunk voicemails to an ex-boyfriend or something all right not my proudest moment i but it happened when you drink when you're drinking tequila it happens sometimes but again (laughs) but then again i'm not also head of a wrestling company so there is that just a jilted lover Um, but but yes tony yeah so santo said tony connie so he does and he look here's the thing right i will say this in all seriousness he put on a really really great show he really did the fact that look when your biggest competition is on the same night as your as your show you're gonna bring out the big guns you're gonna bring out the undertaker john cena cody you're gonna bring out those people of course you are because that's the way it works um but again, they had to bring those people out. That way they right. could beat AEW, which is well within their right. But Tony Khan, I try I try not to tell people how to feel, but he he should take comfort in the fact that they had to do all this for NXT to make sure that they beat them. Because again, Dynamite was an excellent show. They put out AEW put up pull out all the stops too. They had the Eddie Kingston Minoru Suzuki match. Then oh. Was like the first, yes, chef's kiss. Chef's and then, kiss. But the first 30 minutes, it was commercial free. And then they added what, another 10 minutes on to the end of the show. That's wow. great. Edge and Luchasaurus. So they put on a fantastic show. It's just that, again, they have these legends that they can kind of pull over and like, hey, do you want to make a quick little payday and come over wow. here so we can make sure we defeat <laughs> um, AEW? They're going to do that. I, I do think that is Tony Khan needs to put down social media for a bit. Only yeah. only tweet about things like things that are like direct to the point. So promotion of your next show, whether it's collision, dynamite, whatever, and not constantly respond. Especially since a lot of who he's responding to, it wasn't like Shawn Michaels was tweeting at him. Not like Triple H was tweeting at him saying, "Ha ha 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 ha, we beat you, na 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 na." It was random fans on twitter that he was responding to and i get it we're in the content creation business so we get comments i'm sure i've certainly got i'm sure you've got them of somebody just saying something completely stupid yeah or completely false and you're just like you just want to respond to all that and tell them what's what and i have a few times i don't respond to as many comments as i maybe i should but there's times where it happens, right? But 
I get the urge to want to respond to everybody uh, and try to show, uh, at the very least, an illusion of strength. But this definitely hurt Tony Khan more than helped. With each tweet, it was just getting worse. Yeah. And somebody needs to take him aside and go, Tony, you can't pay attention to these random people online and respond to them because it's only making you now look bad. Yeah. So. No, I, I think you raised a lot of great points. And and like Lewis just said, Tony Khan needs to give Twitter slash X a break. Yeah. You know, Tony Khan needs to focus on his company. Just take the loss. You already know you put on a great show. And even Derek goes, I understand that Tony means well talking about his mom, linking it to breast cancer awareness mm -hmm. month. However, he has no reason for using it as a way of ranting. And I, you know, I agree to that. Mind you, this is a billion dollar company. Let's just put that in perspective, everybody. This isn't like a hundred thousand dollar company. This isn't an indie show. This is a billion dollar company we are talking about that has a social media presence, but a presence in the wrestling community that thousands among thousands watch each and every week. He lost only 300,000 viewers. Only. Yes. Ratings-wise, it sucks. Ratings-wise, that's not what you wanted. Ratings-wise, it is a negative. But all in all, take it because it wasn't supposed to happen to begin with. So this was a practice. This was a practice for Collision to come during the next NXT pay-per-view. This is a practice for when another WWE, WWE pay-per-view comes along, you put on that next stellar moment. This is what that was for me. WWE put on a solid show, but as a non-NXT fan, I wasn't enthralled or really invested in the product itself. So they could have had Stone Cold come out in an ATV and The Rock fight one again. And, you know, it wouldn't have made a difference. They had my wrestlers that I was invested in on Dynamite, and that's what I wanted to watch more. If you watch our watch-along for the NXT AEW TV Wars here on the pod, you know what we were rooting for. I was dressed in AEW gear. I had the MJF on Porsche scarf on. I had the AEW hat on. You know what team I was rooting for if I had to show tribalism in any sense of the matter. But generally speaking, I love both products. I love what both products give us because they do give us a night and day feel. They do give us a night and day experience. But in my opinion, this really isn't a loss, TK. This It becomes a loss when you respond just like you have. Yes, you're making it a poignant, a, a poignant part in talking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which is very important, but you then related it back to the WWE that only ignites the fire underneath their creative asses to put on the next best pay-per-view when it comes down to it on a Saturday, which is your show for Collision. So in all honesty, you gave them their go-ahead on hitting you with another uppercut going forward. And that's something that I don't think he's maybe realized. I feel like Tony doesn't have 
that certain somebody in his corner to talk to him before releasing these tweets out going, what you're about to put out is actually going to take that 300,000 viewer loss count and make it sting. And if you really want it to sting, okay, send it. But I tell you now, there is no coming back from this. You're really hurting the product that you've solely built on the back of your of your friends and yourself and your father in the sense of, uh, of granting this great succession that it has had since its initial release. It's great future development that has proven itself time in and time out with minor mistakes here and there. I feel like now at this point, we can say there have been majority mistakes, but those majorities have now kind of subsided into minor mistakes that he has had as CEO, as chairman. But again, it still doesn't give him this platform to allow him to really put a dent in the company that he is trying to build to that next level. AEW is the one of the most interesting and far left projects that wrestling has to offer that's on a television platform. It is a platform where wrestlers among all of us can go to multiple different indie shows or back to their own stomping grounds and not get penalized like something in the WWE we would see. Like I said to you off air, I went to an indie show this past week on Friday. I got to see Daniel Garcia, Isaiah Cassidy, Mike Santana, um, you know, uh, Rocky Romero, all wrestle. Minoru Suzuki, who was just on Title Tuesday at the 7.30 hour pre-show for AEW, then came out here to Queens, to New York, to wrestle Charles Manson, of all people, <laughs> in the night of the nights. Like, yeah. you don't get that with WWE. You don't get that with that promotion because they're very strict on you wrestle here, you work here only, none of these other people exist. You now are mine, and that's that. That's true ownership that Tony doesn't offer because he knows that if the company were to tank, these thousands of wrestlers that he does have contracts with don't have an option or a way to provide for their family and for themselves and put food on the table and allowing them like Moxley to go to different promotions and wrestle. Look at QT Marshall. QT Marshall is a champion in Mexico. Like he's not even doing anything in AEW, but he's still AEW. So it's like, you have this great company that has opened multiple doors, multiple revenues for all of these great, talented athletes, men and women, not only to wrestle on AEW, but to wrestle outside the company representing AEW. Now they're going out there with this stench of, of, of dismay and of this like cowardice feel. Like Now they have to be like, you guys still like AEW, right? I know yeah. it's some wild shit, but do you still want to watch us on Wednesday? Do you still want to even care for us on Saturday? And, like, and speaking of being on TV, they're still trying to secure rights to get on HBO Max 
Right. So Tony Khan has to watch it because those net, those executives at HBO could look at his stuff and be like, what, what are you doing? We're trying to sort of deal with you, but you're acting like a child on Twitter. You, you've got to stop this. That, that, that deal is not, is not done. Nope. And so he's, he's got to be careful with that or else they're not getting that streaming deal, which would allow, you know, pay-per-view wise, you know, we don't have to really pay 50 bucks for a pay-per-view anymore. Now they'll go to the 12, they're possibly going to the 12 pay-per-view model, which $10 extra for pay-per-views. Yeah. So, but you're not paying, especially when there's like ones back to back, you're not paying yeah. like over a hundred bucks for pay-per-view. So he's got to be careful with that because the head guys at HBO, maybe they're wrestling fans. Maybe they're not. If you're not a wrestling fan, you, you don't get the banter. That, that's going right. on on social media and just in general, like you just don't. So he's 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 got to start watching out. Like you said, somebody has to be in his corner to go. Tony, do you really think you should be doing this? Do you really think this this person that's on Twitter that you don't really care about is it? Are you going to feel better about yourself in the morning? Correct. If you tweet this out. Yeah, and, and, and it goes kind of into our next topic, which we'll kind of briefly talk since we've already talked about it prior. But, you know, the ratings matter. And if if this is the behavior of a billionaire CEO that's going to complain like an infant about a loss that really wasn't a loss in my eyes, or at least a lot of fans' eyes, or even just a fan of wrestling in general, we got to eat one of the greatest meals of all time on Tuesday. We watched four hours, four and a half hours of wrestling, whether you liked NXT, whether you liked AEW, whether you liked both, for nothing. And we just ate. We ate like kings and queens at the table finally and just was all able to hang out and talk about, did you just see what happened on NXT? What did you just watch the Jay White match? Like, you know, and have those moments. So you know, now, like you just said, with that Warner Brothers deal ha- possibly happening, you know, and Raw possibly moving to a different show, you know, let's let, let's kind of briefly take a look at the numbers. If this behavior continues and or starts bleeding into the product itself, do you believe the numbers are going to start being affected in the sense of growth? For the company now, I don't know about yourself, but myself has seen a lot of photos and you know videos of shows that are only packed out in the front, but empty behind rows and rows and rows and rows of empty chairs in AEW shows in different states. So, is this something that you think could start affecting that? lesser crowd to start even dwindling down more because of this type of behavior it there's definitely a piece of that 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 with tony's behavior could affect the those attendance numbers like absolutely it is not the only thing but when you compile that with tony khan's social media behavior and just the simple fact that over the past few years especially wwe has stepped up their game completely um mix those two together and yeah you're going to start seeing those low attendance numbers and like i said in the video i have no access to the analytics of attendance or so i can really crunch down those numbers 
and I don't claim to be an expert on it, but he's, he's got to start with the combination of running, of doing these shows in bigger venues, and then you have Tony Khan's Twitter behavior mixed in with WWE, who have more resources and has more time in this wrestling game than anybody else. You're, it's kind of, it can create a, the perfect storm of a disaster here. So Tony Khan has to be careful. Focus on focus on the booking. Focus on your tenants. Focus on the shows. Right. This is these this next year, these next few years. I don't think it's WCW 2.0. I think I think people are exaggerating when they say that. But these next few years are going to be crucial for AEW. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I'm trying to pull up the the numbers right now. Like. As we've seen, like let's let's take a look quickly at just June alone. We're looking at roughly the 18 to 49 rating compared to 2022. This is 2023. Let's look at June 07, and it's 0.33 percent. It has gone down from 2022, which was at 0.36 percent, which is about a 0.903 negative 20 less viewers 21,000 viewers in just june alone we're talking about now we go all the way down to 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 july let's say 19th we're at now to 0.34 from 0.43 we're actually above that's where it starts rising again we got about 30,000 viewers starting to influx back in to the product now mind you that's because at this stage of the game Collision now is starting to maneuver through. It's starting to be one of those hotter shows. Punk is around at this time. We are leading into that all-in, all-out drama that has transpired throughout this summertime fun. Then we go into August 23 of this year, and we're back down to about 4,000 less viewers from 2022. We're at a 0.32 percentile from a 0.0179. It's very impressive to see the downgrade from just August alone at that margin. And it's crazy to see what could possibly be what September and August's month, uh, September and even October's months are as it starts slowly getting updated and that data uh, Linux starts coming back in. We're looking at roughly 10 to almost 30,000 less people sometimes in fluctuating throughout the months of either hot months or lesser months, whether it's because of football season, whether it's because of Tony Khan's tweets, whether it's because however you want to pitch it, it is a very important thing as we go through this and showing this weakened state that Tony Khan has shown us, it doesn't bode well for him trying to get into that Warner Brothers market where now, for $10 a month extra, we can watch pay-per-views and saving ourselves $40 per month for whatever else. That's now merchandise we can start buying of our favorite superstars, our favorite wrestlers that we love and care about and talk about each and every week. That's now $45 that can go to a ticket to our shows when they come to our states. That's $45, let's say, to pay-per-views that we might be able to attend now in our states when they come. But if this behavior of just poor management and 
childish, naive behavior continues, what is there really left of AEW? And it starts feeling like that WCW effect of this drop, drop rapidly movement and people are just not going to watch the product. So what, what, what are some of your final thoughts before we move kind of into our last topic of the evening? Um, my final thoughts are like Tony Khan is causing his own panic. As somebody who used to do uh, finance, right, used to be in finance, what causes stocks to drop down and that is panic. And if Tony Khan is doing his tweets and there's more people, we see start seeing more empty arenas as time goes, not empty arenas, but there will be a, a certain subsection of this venue that has nobody sitting there at all that's going to start driving panic and people, their instinct is going to be, okay, maybe I hitched my horse to the wrong wagon. I'm going over to the other side where I know they're going to have longevity and they're never going to go out of business and will be here for a long time. And I can, I can enjoy the same type of product. So Tony Khan needs to get, just needs to get on, uh, I think the TV product is, is fine. It could always be better. It could always improve, but it does need a little bit more work, especially with the women's division. Um, he needs to just get off Twitter unless he's promoting one of his shows. And he needs to find a way to start filling out venues. Yeah. That, that's key. Yeah. I, I think there was a very big key components of his growth as a CEO for AEW. You know, we've seen, those unfortunate photos leaking all over the internet. And, you know, if that is going to be the case going forward, where we are seeing less and less of a crowd going into the hot spots of the wrestling in the United States areas, then there is possibly no hope for him going forward of branching out and being able to capitalize on big networks like HBO Max in their pay-per-view game or even just in their Dynamite rewatches and Collision, or even Rampage's rewatches going forward. So hopefully he's done. Hopefully these uh, childish tweets are over. Hopefully he's realized the era in his ways. And now this Wednesday, we get a better, exciting, more jam-packed, awesome card full of moments that we need to talk about and a whole bunch of other stuff. But Things that we need to talk about, and I know here on the Last Week in Wrestling podcast, we've talked about it so many times, but it's such a big component in the wrestling business. It is none other than the women's division. So I pose the question because I want to hear from you first, Mona, is in your eyes, how do you think the women's division will say for both WWE and AEW are getting booked and or even looked at. What are your thoughts? Uh, my, my initial thoughts on, I will say, AEWs especially, it's that it's still shit. Like, it's still very much shit. Um, there are a few standouts within AEW's women's division. That's Tony Storm, and I would say CJ Perry, even though she's not a wrestler, but she's still part of that, and uh, a possible... Um, dark sky blue or dark blue, if you will. Those are very interesting. That's a very interesting development, which I want, which I hope they follow up on. So besides that, the women's division still very much. I I can't even call it an afterthought. It's more like the third or fourth thought from wherever you know whoever's booking the actual 
women's division, which I'm guessing is still Tony Khan. WWE is a bit better. Within WWE, the best women's division is the NXT roster. Because mm-hmm. they have you know more than one match. And while the characters are silly, they are they start to become more and more fleshed out. They get storylines that and they're on TV constantly. It feels like it's just as important as what the men men are doing. Yeah. Um, but yes, they do. They need to. Both companies need to a lot of work on their their women's division. WWE is definitely improved. Um, they could do better though, and maybe with this whole Tegan Knox and others coming about now, and it's not just the same two, three people in the main event are getting opportunities, that will change. AEW still has a long way to go. And honestly, the the, the fixes, the changes that they can make, they're not hard ones. Mm-hmm. In my, they're not hard at all. Again, give them more TV time. Give them characters. Give them, have them be characters that the audience can just sink their teeth into and actually care about. Um, but Jade Cargill, she could have been one of those. Uh, she, People liked her, absolutely. If I said it once, I'll say it again. She very much felt like, okay, well, especially once she won the TBS title, okay, we're going to stick you right here and we'll put you up against jobbers and that's going to be it for about a year, uh, even though you have this undefeated streak. Yeah. And she did not feel like a huge – she had that star potential, but she didn't feel like a huge star. She really didn't interact with the top women of the division. Right. Uh, barely. Like, you didn't really see her interact with Britt Baker or Jamie Hayter, any of that stuff. So no. uh, there's we, we there's still a long way to go. Yeah. Um, out of both companies, I think the NXT Women's Division is actually the best right now. I would also agree with that. I I, I feel I, I understand your point. And I agree with your point wholeheartedly. AEW, I feel like, is probably the weakest with their women's division booking as well. You know, we have watched countless uh, AEW pay-per-views where there is one, and I literally mean one match on the main card for pay-per-views that do matter for the women's division, whether that's a title match, whether that is just a squash match, whether that's just a match to have a match because they need to have a match. It is the fact that it's a very lackluster thought going into that women's division when you have such amazing women in that women's division going forward and even propelling the women's division to newer and bigger and better heights. So the fact of the matter that Tony or whoever is running creative, let's say, in that background is not considering what these superstar women athletes could do or bring to the table is very, very loud. We hear it. I hear it. We watch it. I'm paying for it, mind you. You know, we have maybe one match on Zero Hour, and that's sometimes our women's match of the whole entire pay-per-view. And that speaks volumes to us. Because in my opinion, like we said prior before the ad break, that if we were to have more women's division matches – there is that possibility of regenerating growth and progression for the women's division going forward. We could really propel the women's divisions underclassmated women that are not getting opportunities that are becoming jobbers like Anna JAS, Kira Hogan, even Sky Blue and or Julia Hart 
and propelling them into that next portion where they could be bringing up women from ROH, Evolve, MLW, ALW, and a whole bunch of other indie shows that are coming and gracing our presence. We could have a thriving women's division if there is somebody at the helm of the women's division booking and working with these women side by side in trying to get them onto that next level of content. Because a lot of the women there, the Britt Bakers, the Sheetas, the Tony Storms, the Jamie Haters, are really the needle movers of the company. But if you're not using them to propel women like Julia Hart, Anna JAS, Kira Hogan, and much, much more, then you don't have a women's division that's thriving. You don't have a women's division that is really bringing in women into those live shows. Imagine those empty seats that we've seen on the internet filled with different forms and different generation of women in those seats waiting to watch their favorite superstars from dark and dark elevation now get TV time, screen time on Dynamite and or Collision or even on Rampage, mind you, and having stories that really move them forward into the TBS contentionship, even possibly building a women's tag team division or even getting them into the AEW Women's Championship talk. Like, that's something I feel they're being very non-responsive with, and it's probably one of the biggest things that are hurting them at the same time because they're kind of repeating a lot of the same matches each and every week at points when they're not delivering us good matches or great matches like they have been on both big pinnacle shows. So my other question to you is, is who do you see maybe being that catalyst going forward to drive the needle forward for the women's division? Is it somebody that isn't wrestling? Is it somebody that maybe is from a different independent show or company? Or maybe is it somebody that is in that business that maybe isn't getting a lot of screen time moving the needle forward? So the first person who comes to mind, and that's a great question, the first person is somebody who actually is wrestling a lot, who is technically on TV, but you wouldn't know it because it's in, in ROH, and that's Athena. Mm. Athena has been, if anybody catches her stuff, even if you just want to watch YouTube clips, she's been absolutely great. She has these great matches. She's the ROH Women's Champion. Nobody knows this because she's on ROH, and they're not really promoting Ring of Honor all that much, and not into the, the way that I personally think they should. So she's definitely one of those people who could drive that division forward. You have Willow. People like Willow. She has been on Collision. She's naturally liked um, as a baby face. She could do she could do wonders. Uh, Jamie Hayter, when she comes uh, back from injury, mm -hmm. uh, very unfortunate timing for her, she could absolutely do it. So those three women alone off the top of my head could drive that women's division uh, forward. Even Emmy Sakura. Mm. You know, she is a fantastic wrestler. But she's being made, and I get you can't win them all, but she's being made to job. And when she's so much more talented than that. Yeah. You've got to have variety. Um, and, and these women, they can do it, but they need a chance. And they need somebody who actually gives a fuck. 
Right. And that is the problem. I, I, I didn't mean to be so blunt about it, but they no, it's, it's the truth care. though. And yeah. there's no being creative cares. This is what you, you know, get. It's a moot point. Yeah, and but the, look, that's that. This is the end result. This is what you get. You get nothing. You yes. get matches that don't matter. You get storylines that start off strong but end weak. You get stories that don't have substance. You get matches that become jobber moments. You get Jade Cargill, who now in the WWE prior was having month-long matches with women that were probably in catering that decided to put on some spandex and wrestle momentary matches that didn't really propel Jade Cargill and any of her stories with any of the women that she was feuding with forward. You know, that yeah. those are big determining factors in building a women's division that could be very strong and poignant going forward. You know, you have a company, like I said prior, that is one of the most biggest in the catalytic form of propelling professional wrestling to a new generation. So imagine we have somebody that is wrestling like Chris Statland, who's TBS champion, wrestling like she just did on Creative Pro, defending her title of the TBS championship against someone there that's an up-and-coming superstar that Tony knows about and having a great match that's possibly building a feud going forward when she does get her look at a dynamite or at a rampage or at a collision possibly going forward. Those are the things that he could be capitalizing on besides just having throwaway matches that come and go as we please. And unfortunately, that is what creative has been doing, has been doing, and unfortunately, it's been continuing doing. And I I don't understand why. We have a lot of talented women coming in that have potential. Like yeah. great potential. Trisha Dora, she could be. A, she's a great women's wrestler. She could absolutely uh, spearhead a women's division if he gave her the chance. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Did she no, just, no, go right ahead. Pop in my head. Um, so about the whole, especially about the whole Jade Cargill thing. Here's what's going to happen with AEW women's division. If if you keep just not making the AEW women's division a priority. You're mm-hmm. going to see, start seeing a lot more people following the Jay Cargill route and like, you know what? They're actually getting booked on books over there. I'm going to go over there and at the very least get more money or whatever, whether right. they start off at NXT or the main roster. Again, a Willow Nightingale could, uh, could do, she could make it in WWE. I think if they book her right and don't overdo like the happy character, you know, cause they'd like to, Kind of like the whole Bailey hugger thing that they used. That was under Vince, so times have changed. So even Athena could go back, I think, um, if she wants to in a few years. Right, right. But you'll you'll start seeing more women want to follow suit and maybe go other places. And like, well, I'm not really getting booked here. No one seems to really care, so I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I, again, I, you know, to kind of hone in, on your point and my point together, you know, I hope that we start moving the needle forward in the women's division and start seeing whether it's at a full gear or at winter is coming revolution. Some point in the near future, we need to see this company push these women forward. And we need to start seeing a division that's thriving just as much as the men are getting in their driving factor because honestly sometimes those women put on better matches than the men do and i'm not ashamed to say it 
I am proud to say that because it's true. It's damn true, as Kurt Angle yeah. would say. They have something true. to prove. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have something to prove. And I think that's the biggest thing of them all. But as I just depart us really quickly, I'm going to let you have a little time to think about either the match or the wrestler that got you into this business. I know you said your story a little bit prior before we went live and everything, but just in case you want to elaborate or maybe kind of work into something, something of a, a wrestler or a moment in wrestling that truly, truly made you a fan, I want you to take a little bit of time as I, as I just need to step away for a quick brief second. And um, when I come back, I want to hear your opinion on what it was to bring you into this wrestling business, to make you a content creator of this business and just a, an awesome, awesome person and a fan of the product itself. So I will be right, right back, but take a little bit of time. We'll have a little, little bit of a brief intercession before we, we kind of finish off the show itself. So give me one oh. more. Okay. okay. So I think I'm still live. So um, he gets back, he'll be back in a minute. So I got to, I got to figure out my answer, guys. I have my answer written down because if there's anybody out there that knows me um, when I do my lives, I always have uh, the green notebook here. This this here is my notes for all wrestling shows. Whether it's AEW, um, WWE, NXT, I write notes. And so I wrote notes for this podcast. So I have I have what I got written down. So... If you guys ever uh, see me again, which you guys will, I'm I'm a content creator. Um, the green notebook right here. This is this is my thing. I think if I had like an NXT like gimmick, like it'd be green girl who has green notebook, woman who has green notebook. So there we go. I cannot wait because I do have my answer now. So yeah, this podcast has been really great. Uh, okay, sorry. Well, I'm happy to hear the podcast has been really great. Uh, yeah. that, that's very, it's very nice to walk into that part of the show. Absolutely. I should have been on the podcast is shit. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. We're done here. We're never going to do this again. Fuck the watch-alongs. Uh, that's it for us here, you know? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy uh, that you're hopefully enjoying yourself and, 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 you know, being new to the Last Week in Wrestling podcast. I love, like I said to you off-air, and I'll say it on-air, Absolutely. I'm a big fan of fans of the product. I'm a big fan of fans of making cool content and exciting content, really having um, interesting opinions and different thought processes than the majority of people. Like yourself, you know, we watch the Chris Vanderbleets of the world, the Sean Saps, the Wrestling Observers, Brian Alvarez, and all of them and all the good people out there. But in general, Generally speaking, you want people to almost think outside the box. And I feel like yourself does do that on multiple different occasions. I feel like your live streams on TikTok prove that you're not just like the others and thinking like, oh, yes, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I don't know why everyone's complaining. This is the best part of wrestling, like a lot of other people have said and have done throughout our time as content creators, whether we're big, whether we're small. So it's really an honor and a true pleasure to have you on here. So hopefully you're uh, wanting to come back 
maybe even a watch along for a pay-per-view or a TV show if you're able to. But of course, let's get into the final topic of the of the night, and it is who or what or what exciting moment made you a fan of what we have been talking about for two hours roughly <laughs> right now. What is the thing that has been driving you to be a fan of this product that we love and hold true to our hearts? So the, the I will say the wrestler that really like caught my attention when I was a kid, and that is Sting. Every Ooh. version of Sting, because I was I was still like I was had consciousness when there was surfer Sting with the blonde hair and the this the colorful face paint. But then when he became Crow Sting, and he was just like, sitting up in the rockers like a like a weirdo. <laughs> like let's be honest, I was like. Oh, now I'm intrigued. Now I gotta know more about this guy. He was just weird. He wouldn't. He wouldn't say anything. Like he said nothing. So I'm just like, what the hell is this guy doing, going up against the NWO? So I'd say Sting was like the person that like was like, oh, this can be like really really cool, and I have to know more about what's going on here. So WCW in general, because I just, I was just a WCW kid, but Sting right. was. Sting was the guy where I was like, yep, now this is my thing. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of my life. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I didn't watch WCW, unfortunately, during my time as an infant or a young, a young lad, as uh, I would say myself. But, you know, I kind of grew into watching WWF, like I said to you, off air. You know, we had the Stone Colds of the world, the Rocks, the Undertakers, the Canes. But the wrestler that myself really got uh, into wrestling was Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero was probably one of the most driving factors. And everybody who watches this podcast or watches the watch-alongs, they know how much of a fan I am of Eddie Guerrero. So they already heard these stories a hundred times or over. But I will say it again, so I'm sorry. But nonetheless, Eddie Guerrero 100% is my guy that made me go, this is what I want to invest my time in. This is what I need to invest my time in because his lucha style, lucha style wrestling to his acrobatic techniques of technical wrestling to just his fun, charismatic, lie, cheat, and steal maneuvers and ways to beat any person in any way, shape, and form to just his promos alone and growth as a character throughout the years, his redemption story from battling a drug addiction to facing Brock Lesnar at no mercy is truly an unfeasible feat that a true fan of the wrestling business needed to go through in order to be who he is, an icon, a fan of the fans himself. You know, there's been multiple men and women even like Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet, whoever you want to call her as today, but she stylized a lot of her maneuvers and technical ability around Eddie Guerrero and wanted to be on SmackDown because Eddie was on SmackDown. He made SmackDown his home. He made that blue brand one of his favorite brands to be a part of. And because of that, everybody else that followed suit 
loved being on SmackDown because Eddie was there. Eddie was in the weeds of it. I remember those times where he's eating the Spanish food and Batista came over and grabbed the food and his tortillas and was just like, you don't need to have this. You're supposed to be sick. You know, like just those mini, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, mini moments of fun character development was just always so great to see. Eddie and Ray's matches they had at WrestleMania 21 and the ladder match at SummerSlam brings such joy and, 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 and nostalgia to me over and over again as I think about it and even watch it from time to time. You know, Eddie, Eddie is my guy, but as Derek says, Sting is also one of his favorite wrestlers as well. Yeah. Santos says Cena for him. Also, Derek goes, Eddie Guerrero, truly a great all-around yes. wrestler, 100%. And Lewis replies with Rey Mysterio, another hootie hoo legendary WCW <laughs> superstar. Rey Mysterio Jr., as well as maybe some of us don't know him as, maybe the newer generation of fans don't know him as, but the craziest story or very interesting story of how he became the man with the mask is that his father gifted him that mask after he proved himself in Mexico, in Mexican lucha style wrestling in front of his father's eyes. His father was the one to grace him with that mask and give him this brand new identity of Rey Mysterio. Of course, in WCW, it was Rey Mysterio Jr., but as he became a WWF, WWE superstar, Mr. 619 Buyaka, it was Rey Mysterio. And that is just awesome to hear because we all know Rey. Rey's an icon, an absolute legend, a friend of Eddie Guerrero's as well. They tag team together, work together, amazing amazing matches together so it's very nice to hear that his his name still rings true to everybody even the younger generation of fans to this day so that's that's really it is there anything else you want to say before i kind of give you the floor to talk about who you are again and anything exciting and new happening on your channel uh no you pretty much pretty much summed it up uh i'm probably gonna go get off here and overthink this entire thing of what i thought i did wrong that's about it <laughs> you were great there's nothing you need to overthink wrong i'm just gonna have you just stay back for a few minutes after the show so we could briefly just talk about everything but then that's it we are done that is the show that is the last week in wrestling podcast i am so grateful for mona to be hanging out with us tonight a true Awesome, amazing, genuine person in TikTok. Of course, all of her stuff of her TikTok channel are right below in the description, which will also be on the audio version of this podcast on Spotify tomorrow morning. So definitely go check her out. Mona, the floor is yours. Let the people know who you are. Let them know what you do. Awesome content that you've got going on and anything new and exciting that's happening on your channel. Okay, so again, you guys, my name is Mona Ricano on all platforms. Um, I'm a person that just likes to have opinions and talk shit about wrestling. That is what I do. Um, it's something I kind of accidentally fell into. But yeah, um, no real exciting projects right now. I do go live on TikTok um, Sundays at 1 p.m. Mondays, like right after Monday Night Raw, we discuss the show. Um, now Tuesdays, I believe I will go uh, live after NXT on Tuesdays. Um, Sundays is kind of like the whole week in wrestling wrap up where you just talk about everything. 
um, and put out videos. I try to put out videos two to three times a week. Um, I will try to put out a YouTube channel here soon. I have the whole account, everything set up. It's just now a matter of getting some technical things in order. But yep, you mostly find, find me on TikTok for now. So, but yep, I'm a pro wrestling content creator. I also sometimes do cover um, UFC, UFC, MMA, and it was so great talking with you. I had a really good time. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. And that is going to be us here for the channel. I want to thank everybody, of course, to be hanging out with us. Derek says, it's my first time watching the show. Truly enjoyed it. Derek, thank you so much. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, buddy. Let's get us to that 10K, everybody. Of course, hit that post notifications because tomorrow you are hearing it, really. It's truly happening again. We are watching Monday Night Raw. We got a whole slew of possible awesome guests coming on for tomorrow night's show. Wolf, maybe some other awesome people. We're going to watch the first two hours, everybody. We're not going to watch the full three hours because it is a season premiere. Everybody does have work the next day. But nonetheless, if the first two hours are good, I will say this now. The first two hours are good. Then we'll see maybe about watching the last hour of the show. If it is booty cheeks, as I've called Raw before, as sometimes the show has been, we're just going to end it at 10 o'clock and we're going to call it a day. Yes, it's, it's so hard to try to do a watch along or stream Monday Night Raw for three hours because by 9.30, you know, I am I'm like, okay, you guys, I think I'm just going to. Yes. Fall off my chair. <laughs> yes. I trust me. I feel that pain. I do. <laughs> I really, really do. You know. So I, uh, I, I totally understand. That's why we're going to start off with two hours. See how that goes. If it is really good, and those last hour matches are going to be hard hitting, okay, then maybe you got us. But definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, Friday Night SmackDown watch-alongs are coming back to the channel starting this Friday right here on the Last Week in Wrestling podcast. So make sure you tune in. Make sure you check us out. Of course, everybody on TikTok, head over to that YouTube channel to get us to that 10K and hit us with some new fans as well. Mona, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Just hang back so that way we could talk about the show. So you can truly tell me how bad the show was. You know, and <laughs> let me know if you're never coming back again. So absolutely having a great time with you. Thank you, everybody on TikTok. We're going to end that right now. And then we're going to end, of course, the stream. Uh, normally, we do a lot of dancing or whatever on the way out, but I'm not going to make you do all of that. There you go. All right. Let's there we go. <laughs> there you go. There's your dance for everybody. Thank you, everybody, so much for hanging out with us. We'll see you tomorrow night.